Hey you, welcome to Tea Talk, a space to share the therapy tea. I'm Shailene, your host, and I hope you'll join me each week as we sit down to share tips, stories, and conversations on getting better emotionally, recovering from trauma, and improving your overall quality of life. I want to remind everyone that even though podcasts can feel therapeutic, they are definitely not a replacement for therapy. Please, at any point, if you feel the need to take a break because the content is too heavy, please do that and take care of yourself. Also, if you're loving this podcast, please do me a favor and leave me a review, share your reflections with me on Instagram and share it with a friend who needs to hear it. All right. So I'm ready. You're ready. And we're friends now. So go ahead and sit down, cozy up and let's get ready for today's episode. I am here today with my friend, Yunetta Spring Smith. Mm -hmm. Yes. So excited to have her here today. She's a thriving therapreneur, CEO, founder of Springforth Counseling and Groundbreakers Coaching and Consulting. She's a licensed professional counselor, a national certified counselor, a clinical trauma professional, EMDR therapist, approved consultant, advanced trainer. That's right. She's training in all Mm -hmm. the ways now. (laughs) (laughs) and she works diligently to spread awareness through various media platforms including the weekly talk it out tuesday segment on the ricky smiley morning show she also self-published her self-care workbook we're going to talk a lot about that today take the struggle out Mm -hmm. of self-care she's a groundbreaker a stigma breaker cycle breaker just doing everything that you can to create space for healing compassion change and really take care of themselves so thank you so much for coming on the show today Thank you. I'm glad we finally got our schedules to align so I we know. can talk because we've been wanting to talk for a while. So I know it's usually the hardest thing thinking about self care, like just making time for things. Like here we are right. trying to make time for something that's like work, but it's fun and we like to hang out and talk to each other. But even just finding time for that stuff, like that's really hard. Yep. Yep. It's hard. But, you know, when you're diligent and, you know, focused, we made it happen. That's true. It happen, so yeah. Yeah. And I imagine that's part of the magic when it comes to what it means to really be taking care of yourself, being very committed to it and not mm-hmm. letting, like not letting it be the last thing on your list. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Because I mean, if you really don't see the value in it or don't see the purpose of it, then it's easy to put it like on a back burner or like let it fall to the wayside. Like the effort that it takes sometimes to take care of yourself is enough to be like, look, I ain't got time for this. Yeah, (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, Um, It's easier to just like say, I'll do it later. Mm -hmm. Or to Mm -hmm. reserve like whatever, whatever's left of you after all of the other roles and the people in your life have kind of taken from your energy to just kind of, okay, well, this is what I have left. And that's just enough energy for me to sit on the couch and eat Cheetos and watch a movie or like, that's all that's left. And sometimes that Mm -hmm. might be enough, but I know one thing I'm always talking to my clients about is how can you be proactive and not reactive to those Mm -hmm. efforts? Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to self-care and making it, I know we're getting all the way into it now, but making it more like I posted something the other day that said like your self-care is like hygiene, Mm -hmm. you know, and when you don't take care of yourself or practice those hygiene practices then your life starts to stink. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like really looking at it like a part of your hygiene. You're going to get up and wash your butt every day. Hopefully you're going (laughs) to get up and brush your teeth. Hopefully. Right. So just like you do those things, having those 
things that you need to do for self-care, just integrating it as a part of your day-to-day, you know, just as important. Yeah. Like on that same level, tell me about, so you do, this is your, I feel like this is your lane. This is like what people really know you for with your self-care journal and the different talks and presentations that you've done. This is your thing. And so what do you make of, I feel like I mean, I'll be honest, like even myself, when I hear self-care, because it's such a like overused word, sometimes it mm-hmm. it's easy to be, oh yeah, I know self-care, like kind of ro- yeah. like, brush it off. And we, but we know that it's really important. I mean, you just spoke to that. How do you navigate that with people that you work with when people are burnt out or, you know, especially people who have gone through trauma, just not having a practice of self-care And so Mm -hmm. I think it is really easy for people to just be like, yeah, I know self-care. I'm gonna go get my nails done or something like that. Like, what is your response to that? How do you work with those folks? Yeah. Yeah. Who say, I think I I start, especially with my clients, just kind of asking them and getting inside of what their day-to-day looks like, you know, or, or what they do to take care of themselves. Sometimes they don't necessarily, there may be things that they're doing for self care that they don't consider to be self-care. So kind of highlighting some of those things, but really just seeing like what the day-to-day looks like, how much they are listening or how in tune they are like with their bodies and what their bodies need. I've started to look at self-care more so like, you know, when we look at like the hierarchy of needs and like Maslow's hierarchy Mm -hmm. of needs and stuff like that, when we're not taking care of ourselves, because I do so much trauma work, I look at it from the perspective of if you're not meeting your basic needs, then your body is like in survival mode, right? So if you aren't hydrating, what message are you sending to your system, Mm -hmm. right? If you aren't resting, right? If you aren't eating, if you aren't listening to the cues that your body gives you like, hey, I got to pee. Mm-hmm. Or, hey, you know, if you're silencing all of those things that are those alarms and those things that um, our bodies naturally do to say, hey, take care of me, then your body is literally like taking on the world as if we're in survival. It's like do or die. Like we haven't had anything to drink, mm-hmm. you know, so there must not be resources available. So it changes the way we view everything when we're operating in that part of our brain. That's, that. I mean, th- this is, I'm thinking about it. Like when I'm in that place, when I know that I'm, I was talking to somebody, a client about this yesterday, you know, I was saying like, I know what you're going through. I know what it is to be burnt out week after week. And I'm telling you that you keep overriding your body's messages, right? Like you're mm-hmm. pushing the button, like, nope, far as well, don't turn on body. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And some point soon, your body's going to take you out. Like you're either going to get mm-hmm. sick, you're going to get hurt, or you're going to have a meltdown and end up on the news or something like that because you mm-hmm. curse somebody out and started a fire, did something wild. And so, <laughs> but at the same time, like you painting that picture of when, because I think again, too, like when you're in trauma therapy, when you work with people mm-hmm. who've gone through trauma, even that, like you're operating in survival mode, like people can kind of glaze over, oversimplify what that means. Survival mode is like desolate and destitute. Like Mm -hmm. there's nothing available. And so then everything else that you see gets warped. And I think about myself when I'm so burnt out and I'm overriding those signals, it's really easy for me to cry over something or freak out Mm -hmm. over something because again, now, like my vantage point, the way that my brain is operating is like, oh, we're in war, girl. Like you need yeah. to. <laughs> uh, yeah, for real. It's like do or die like mm-hmm. that. When that amygdala is activated, the only thing we can do 
is fight, flight, freeze. I use the five Fs. So Tell I us. use fight, flight, freeze, flop, and friend, right? So that flop is just like, almost like the possum, like I'm incompetent. Like I can't do it. This is just the way my life is, you Submitting. know what I mean? rolling over then rolling over you know and then the friend is like you just become you know and this happens a lot with survivors of you know abuse or long-term abuse where it's like I kind of have to befriend my abuser I have to like be nice play Mm -hmm. nice with them so that I'm okay so that I'm safe right so sometimes we do that like with self-care where it's like this is, I just have to befriend this behavior. Like, this is just what I do. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't, I give to others. I do all these things and I make it like, make it like a friend, like make Mm -hmm. it a good thing. It's a part of my life. and It's just a part of my life. And I'm just giving back to people. And I'm just, you know, and I try to paint this picture as if I'm just like this amazing person, which you probably are, but you are not taking care of yourself. So you try to make friends with that behavior Mm. to make it okay. Mm Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Tell us about, so what do you think about the, what comes to mind when you're thinking about self-care practices and what you teach to your clients and what you teach to other therapists when it comes to moving into a holiday season? Mm -hmm. Okay. So yeah. So holiday seasons is it's heightened. I always say the heightened, you know, turns up the heat, right? Because you got I feel all like, you were you said do or die earlier. I'm like, yeah, that feels like the holidays. Like, yeah, it feels like do or die time. Like, like, am I gonna make it? Can I do this? Right. because <laughs> uh, there's just so many pressures that comes with the holidays as far as like expectations of who you need to be or who you need to be for other people or what you need to get or what you need to do. So you're trying to fit all of these other things into what you're already. Um, expected to do. And then you have family dynamics that show up. Like, are you going to visit? Uh, these things are coming up with the, you have oh, that on your, no, it doesn't yeah. work for my, <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's been, I've been doing all kinds of things with, with these uh, notifications and stuff, but you know, it's like, am I going to visit family members? If I go, like, what's it going to be like? Who's going to be there? What are they going to say? How am I going to manage and navigate that? So there's just so many heightened expectations, heightened emotions that come along with, with the holidays. We can get really caught up on how things look on the outside during that time and not really focus on like what's going on the inside for us. So you know, we know around the holidays too, you're going to experience more so like grief because if you have, you know, things that are changing or people that are no longer with you, then that comes up. And then just with seasonal affective disorder, people are feeling more sad around this time of year too. So I try not for clients, I try not to get into any major deep trauma work around the holidays Mm. and really just focus more on strengthening and resourcing the work um, that they've already done and kind of future planning and preparation of how do I maintain the work that I've done while I'm navigating a heightened, stressful, potentially stressful time period. That's kind of what I focus on with my folks. Yeah. You bring up some good points about one, everything being heightened. And again, I think going into the holiday season, it's really easy for people to kind of oversimplify the idea of it's a stressful time. But when you break Mm -hmm. down all the areas of your life that it creates stress under, you know, expectations, social interaction or isolation, 
mm-hmm. grief and, and yeah, like all mm-hmm. of these different things that are just kind of taken to another level when there are busy times in which it seems as if everyone is supposed to be happy, but that mm-hmm. contradicts the financial pressure, the, all of the things that you have to get to the people who aren't around being around your family when maybe sometimes you don't want to be around certain family, like all of these things contradict. And when the outside world and the, in your internal experience don't match, like that causes a hiccup in your brain mm-hmm. in your system's way of processing everything. I like that you mentioned not doing deep trauma work during the holiday season, something that I never thought of. And I'm curious of your take on this. So you do EMDR, I'm trained in DBT prolonged exposure. And what I know about, you know, what I think probably falls into every level of every different modality of trauma work is the idea of exposure and avoidance and whatever we Mm -hmm. avoid kind of can amplify itself. Now, I do think that prolonged exposure I mean, any exposure-based therapy, it's very, it's like very intense. Right. And so Mm -hmm. sometimes I hear my clients like, and I really have to step back and check myself because I'm like, oh, if they're repeating this back to me, like I'll hear them question, well, if we don't do exposure during the holiday times, isn't that just avoidance? And I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, well, okay. This Mm -hmm. is a good point. So what are you, what's your take on that? Like if your clients are, are saying, but this is the holidays. Like, and I'm sad this person isn't here anymore. Shouldn't we be doing this harder work at this time? Where Mm -hmm. does trauma work and self-care practices intersect there? Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's still, the work is going to be done regardless. Like there's no way to like avoid the work, you know, I can't hide from what's like in my face, but I think the angle in which we look at the work maybe is a little different. So, you know, with EMDR, we kind of look at the negative beliefs and then the adaptive or positive beliefs. So if a um, negative belief is like, I'm not good enough, you know, an adaptive belief can be like, I'm okay, just as I am you know, or I'm good enough regardless or something like that, right? So as we look at the going into the holiday seasons, we're looking at it from that adaptive perspective and we're strengthening those areas where that belief, like that positive belief is true. So tell me about the things that you're doing in your life right now that support that positive belief. And we're going to focus on that. We're going to strengthen that. And we're not going to focus so much on maybe that, parent or that sibling, what, whenever I'm around them, I feel like shit, you know, we're not going to really focus on that. We're going to focus on the parts that you feel strong and secure in, Mm -hmm. and we're going to kind of strengthen those. So it's still doing the work, but it's kind of looking at, well, how have you changed, you know, and how would you have responded about, you know, that situation, you know, two years ago or six months ago and what's different Mm -hmm. about how you're looking at yourself now, Right. Um, And then we're going to kind of strengthen that. Um, And like, how will you when you encounter this person again, how will you move as if this positive belief that you have about yourself is true? Right. So it's just kind of like a redirection. We're not avoiding it, but we're just redirecting how we look at ourselves in those situations. Yeah. So what what if you have somebody who. I guess you have somebody who's trying to prepare ahead of time for the holiday season. Right. And in DBT, we would call this a cope ahead plan. So it's like, what are the hard parts of the holidays that you Mm -hmm. want to, you know, plan ahead for and have strategy around? 
what are some things, are there any things that you would encourage people to avoid or stay away from, or how do you help people make those decisions for themselves when they're trying Mm -hmm. to navigate like avoidance and reinforcing that versus moving in, moving into something, if that makes sense? Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Usually the things that they're anxious about are the areas that we address, right? So that anxiety is coming because it's trying to protect you Mm -hmm. and it's looking out for you. So what is it that you're worried about when you think about going back home, you know? So I may be worried about like what my parent is going to say about my relationship status, or Mm -hmm. I may be worried about like, you know, setting boundaries around certain things that I don't want to talk about. So kind of being like almost having a roadmap Mm -hmm. of those things that you are concerned with and worried about. And then let's practice like, how do you respond to those? things you know Mm -hmm. what's a way to you know either redirect sometimes you can it doesn't always have to be this is my you know I don't have to always have to be serious this big dramatic this big dramatic thing right I love using humor so sometimes like you know finding ways for you to respond in a way that's like that's a joke and that's funny and some people may look at that like oh that's avoidance or that's not it's you do what you got to do to get through right you know certain situations so you know, there's been times when it's like, you just keep saying like, huh, to people, like mm-hmm. when they ask you something, you don't want to answer. Huh? What? <laughs> Wait, what, what you say? Like, have huh? you used this? Have you yeah. used this strategy? <laughs> I do all this shit. Like <laughs> I do all the, and then it becomes a, like for you, it becomes like, you're not as worked up or anxious about it. Yeah. Cause it's funny now, you mm-hmm. know, or having a comeback, like somebody says something about you, like what's your comeback? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if they're bold enough to ask you those questions, then they could, you know, they're, they, they're signaling that they can take the response. You want to go there. Right? Okay. We're going to go there. Let's go there. Yeah. Right? So it's like, you know, not making it. So just kind of, I really want to, I work to empower my clients, like to empower them to know, like you have choices. There are multiple ways that you can address and handle this. And the most important thing is that you address and handle it in a way that aligns with like who you are and that feels, you know, that feels good for you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about how other people are going to respond to what you say. Yeah. It's more so about how you feel about yourself in that response. Um, right. So, yeah, but that anxiety is coming to, to tell us something to prepare. So instead of pushing it away, like, let's get curious about what it's worried about and let's prepare for how to address it. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love that. That actually helps me thinking about future family function in one situation that I'm already have tucked away, but I could just be like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like every time huh? I say so, what? Oh, I can't hear you though, but <laughs> mm-hmm. wait, what? And mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like that's like so helpful. And yeah. it, and just, I think going back to the idea of self-care is that the self is you. And so you're really the only one who can dictate what it's going to feel like to take care of yourself and to feel good, right? It doesn't need to look, if it looks a way, a certain way for somebody else and you're putting pressure on yourself for it to look that way, then that in mm-hmm. itself is going to go against the flow of what you're trying to create. Mm-hmm. I have another question. So when we were in Spain together, you did a talk on the developmental stages of mm-hmm. self-care and you were kind of comparing them to like child development stages. Mm-hmm. I think that's really helpful for people to know going into the season because it's know where you're at and 
what tools and resources you might need in order to mm -hmm. get yourself to a different level. Can you talk a little bit for the listeners yeah. and tell them about those different stages? Yeah, for sure. For sure. So those developmental stages of self-care is something like I created because when I was struggling with, you know, figuring out how to care for myself appropriately, I was like, man, I feel like baby right now. Like, I feel like a newborn, like I'm like, I feel like I'm wanting something like I need something outside of me to help me be okay with like where I am right now. And as I started to look at like developmental stages, you know, integrating those. So starting with like the newborn and for a newborn, and this is like what I invite people to do as they're learning how to care for themselves, like thinking about how would you care for a baby, right? What do they need? They need to be safe. They need to be warm. They need food. They need to be clean, like attention. Just start the there. They need attention. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They need nurturing, like just start at how you would care for an infant, Right. And that when that infant cries, it's indicating that it needs something. Mm -hmm. And as the adult, it's your responsibility to identify what it is that the infant needs when they cry. They don't know. They just know something's wrong. Right. And a lot of times when we're starting our self-care practices, we're just like crying. We're like upset. We're, but we don't know what's wrong because we haven't developed that um, relationship with ourselves to be able to know as your child gets a little older, you're like, oh, they're tired. Mm -hmm. That's why they're crying like that. Oh, they, they need to eat. Right. So you have to kind of build that with yourself. So for the newborn stage, if you don't cry, you don't get cared for. So the newborn is expecting other people to meet their needs. Right. So they're crying and crying. And if somebody meets their needs, cool. But if they don't, then they're left without. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's kind of like the first stage. The next one is like kind of like the toddlers where they have learned to learn how to say no, but they're saying no to everything. And sometimes they're saying no to the wrong things, mm -hmm. right? So they're just learning how to use their voice and they really don't understand exactly what they need. Mm -hmm. so they're starting to develop like those boundaries and be able to say no. So that's that phase. The next phase is like the school age. So what that age is, they get, they're, they know what they're starting to understand what they need, but they want connection. And they want to play and they want to be like kind of with their friends. So they feel guilty for saying what they need because they think people will disconnect from them if they don't do hmm. what someone else wants them to do. Right. So then when, when it comes to taking care of yourself, if me taking care of myself means that I have to isolate from somebody or I have to disconnect from someone, then I'm not going to do it because that is the fear of that you know, age range. And then the next one is like the adolescent. So the adolescents like are, these are people who are like, they have typically been on that other extreme of not taking care of themselves. And now they're finding themselves on the other extreme of like, I don't care. I'm just living my best life. YOLO. Right? It doesn't matter if I have a right. job, I'm just going to go on vacation. I'm going to do what feels good for me. <laughs> yeah. You know, sucks for y'all. So they're not thinking about that balance of it. They just mm -hmm. have burnt themselves out so long that they have like kind of become, you know, we say self-care isn't selfish and it's not. However, self-care does not mean that I don't pay attention or, you know, consider what everyone else needs around me. Right. right. Like an overcorrection so, to go mm -hmm. to that place. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what the, the adolescent phase, the adult is kind of learning how to manage. So they're getting there and they're learning how to take care of themselves. And, and ultimately the elder phase is kind of like that full balance of being able to know 
what I need. I have wisdom and experience with myself. So I know mm-hmm. what I need, but then I also know that I can't meet all of my needs independently so that I have that openness to allow other people to support me as well. You know, just kind of thinking of as we get older, kind of roles reversed and mm-hmm. we kind of need to ask for more mm-hmm. because we can't really, you know, do everything. So that's kind of like the optimal space of being able to know how to care for yourself and how to allow other people to care for you and care for others simultaneously. Dang, I feel like I have a long way to go. I feel like I'm stuck <laughs> in the, I, when you were talking about the school age, like when people feel guilty and all, I was like, oh, here it is. This is where everyone starts to get stuck. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, on the other side, the overcompensation. I remember I used to work at a community agency and we would have groups, there was women's trauma groups and we would focus on skills in one of the groups. And so we're teaching self-soothing and relating it to self-care practices. And this one woman checked in and she's like, you know, I'm just really stressed out because I have been spending a fortune on self-soothing. And I'm like, oh no, like, that's not what we meant. Like, you know, <laughs> she's like running up her credit card bills, going to spas and getting massages and all of this stuff. And it's like stressing her out because she don't have the money to support that kind of a lifestyle. And I think that's also part of like the oversimplification of the term right. self-care and thinking that it gets chalked up to like, getting your nails done and putting Mm -hmm. a face mask on and all of that other stuff. I also think some of that just confuses like whatever your basic like maintenance is like, Mm -hmm. you know, like getting my haircut is not like, yeah, you feel good when you do it, but yeah, but it's also like brushing my teeth. Like it's like basic. It's not really. So if I keep up with those things, I'm going to reduce the vulnerability to reverting back to like a toddler Mm-hmm. in that place, but it's not going to push me to the level of being like the wise sage who's like, right. you know, you really need to pull back on your conversations with so-and-so for your self-care. Mm-hmm. Like, you know? Yeah. So having that elder has that ability to zoom in and zoom out. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we look at it too closely. Or, okay. What can I do? That's going to give me like an immediate like response or some immediate gratification, but that's not always self-care because sometimes what is immediately gratifying in the long term could be harmful. You know what I mean? So if I'm like, oh, I'm going to feel better if I get my nails done in this moment, but you're not going to pay a bill because of that, then yeah, you're going to feel good in the moment, but long-term you're going to have more stress because you could have paid that bill, right? right? So it's having that wisdom to know like, what do I need to do now? And then how is that going to impact me later? you know, and that's self-care too. So sometimes self-care is discipline or budgeting or doing without, because I know in the long term that this is going to be better off for me. But when I'm a newborn or a toddler, adolescent, I don't have that perspective to be able to see like, what is this going to look like a year down the line? You know what I mean? So it's really having that ability to kind of be wise and look at now and look at later. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Before we wrap up, tell us what is on your mind when for yourself when it comes to practicing self-care going into the holiday season. Like what are some mm-hmm. things that you're going to be doing? Yeah, so definitely doing a lot of checking in with myself because I can check out and like get in work mode and like mm-hmm. completely like disconnect. So just making those opportunities to stay connected with people who feel good for my system, checking in with myself. I have to get outside. Like it is not an option for me. I know that, you know, for myself that I feel so much better when I get out and like go for a walk, even if it's like five to 10 minutes. So I have to put that on my list as a thing to do, regardless of if I feel like it or not, Mm -hmm. because 
it's just going to work. Like, mm-hmm. like, you know yourself, girl, you know. Yeah. And then for me, it's definitely going to be planning too. So some that's, I'm a very go with the flow type person, which I love that part, you know, that about myself, but also when I don't plan, I think it creates more anxiety around the holidays. So Mm -hmm. starting a little bit earlier, planning things that I want to do, like whether it be like going to get gifts for people, you know, if I want to do that or where, whose house am I going over? Am I going to say like, what am I going to do? Starting to really start to map that out and plan. And I know some people probably have that done months ahead. Planning for me is like, give myself at least a month. Yeah. (laughs) That's enough time for me to work with. Cause I'm usually like day before day of crunch time, (laughs) you know, knocking it out. So those are some things that I'm being mindful for. And then also giving myself lots of grace and compassion when it doesn't work the way I want it to work. Or maybe I don't handle that situation or say what I know would would have been like the better thing or the more appropriate thing to say, just kind of giving myself grace and compassion when that happens. Yeah, I love that. Well, this was super helpful. I feel like we touched on a lot of things that are definitely going to help the listeners. Let people know what things you have going on and where people can find you. Yeah, so I always got something going on, girl. You know that. So, <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, so newest thing is, you know, recently becoming an EMDR basic trainer. <laughs> so, yes. Yes, I'm super excited about that. And y'all know anything about the EMDR world? I call them the EMDR streets. You know, it, <laughs> it can be a little rough out here sometimes, you know, and especially for like a black woman mm-hmm. working in this field. So yeah, it's a huge accomplishment. So yes. I'll be looking at planning some uh, trainings for 2024. So I'm super excited about that. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I have my self-care workbook that is available like on Amazon or you can get the copy. I I encourage therapists to use it like for yourself and then also like use it with your clients. Like I'll walk through my workbook with my clients just to help to kind of get an idea where they are and help them to establish better self-care practices. So I have Mm -hmm. that. And then I'm also doing coaching and consultation with Groundbreakers. And that's my coaching and consulting, you know, company with EMDR. So if you're looking to enhance your EMDR skills, you're looking at consult or need some help where you're kind of stuck, you can always hop on there and do some consultation calls with me. I have subscriptions for those. So it's super easy and simple to get signed up. And I think one thing about the way I look at EMDR, I work from looking at the client from a holistic perspective. So we're talking about race, we're talking about identity, we're talking about culture, because all that plays a role in our experiences. So you can find me on all social media platforms at Yanetta Spring. My website is yanettaspring.com and that'll take you to my therapy practice as well as the coaching and consulting stuff I got going on. Love it. We will yeah. link to all of those things in the show notes. So make it, make sure you check out Yanetta's amazing mm-hmm. stuff. You'll definitely yeah. be seeing more of her. Yeah. And we'll be in Ireland. We'll be in Ireland. I we'll forgot about Ireland that. In March. Yeah. <laughs> so we got like some international stuff. Happening Track us too. on the gram and mm-hmm. you'll see us touring the world. We'll be in Italy together. We'll be, we'll in, be in Italy, Ireland. Ireland. We'll just be mm-hmm. doing all of the things, self-caring mm-hmm. and talking and doing all the fun stuff. So yeah. 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 All right, everyone. Well, take good care. If you love this episode, please give it a good review, share it with someone who needs to hear it and we'll see you next time. All right. That's today's episode, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to Tea Talk. I hope that your cup of tea is full today. 
and that you were able to pull something out of this for yourself. If you know someone that needs to hear this episode, please send it their way. And let me know what you're thinking by sending me a message on Instagram. I love hearing from you all. And make sure to follow the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And if you are loving what you're hearing, please leave me a review and a rating. It would mean so much. All right, friends, take good care and I will see you next time.